Musicians Hall of Fame had their grand reopening last week here in Nashville, and there was a VIP party the day before, and I somehow begged and pleaded and got myself onto the guest list for that thing. But I can't recommend the place highly enough. If you're listening to this, I know that you're the kind of person that would really appreciate it. They got a lot of really cool artifacts in there. One was a a 68 Telecaster that Charlie Daniels played on the Nashville Skyline Sessions. Then another was uh, the drum kit that Al Jackson played on Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, or the drum kit Kenny Butchery played on Heart of Gold and Lay Lady Lay. But I think my favorite was uh, a piano that Pig Robbins played on Delta Dawn, Stand By Your Man, He Stopped Loving Her Today, and my favorite piano song of all time, Behind Closed Doors. So it was a beautiful thing. At one point, I was standing there, and I had uh, Reggie Young on one side of me and Steve Cropper on the other. And I kept thinking of that Sesame Street thing where it says, one of these things is not like the other. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville, Tennessee. This is a personal journal, this is a bit of an experiment, and I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it, and everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Delbert McClinton. Delbert is a singer, songwriter who lives right here in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find out everything you need to know about Delbert at Delbert.com. I got to open for Delbert back in the early 90s in Indianapolis, Indiana at a place called World Mardi Gras. And uh, his band just completely wiped us off the stage. It was quite a learning experience. But I remember afterwards... I was alone in an elevator with him, and we both smiled at each other. And I'm not a very aggressive person. I just uh, don't like bothering people. But I wanted to ask him about, you know, Howlin' Wolf and uh, just all the juke joints he played and things like that. I just wanted to know all of that stuff, but I just kept quiet and kept it to myself and, and didn't bother him. But here 20 years later, I get to meet up with Delbert in his living room here in Nashville and ask him all of those questions. And he was extremely generous. He was really, you know, happy to talk about whatever. And I enjoyed this more than I could possibly say. But uh, I have to say there were a couple technical issues. We just used some handheld mics, and that's my fault. I probably should have brought a mic stand, but I didn't do that. So there's a little bit of noise. And Delbert was really animated. He was really happy to to be there, and he would stand up and start talking, and sometimes he gets a little bit away from the mic or would bump the mic or whatever. But I don't think it'll be too distracting, and I think you're going to enjoy it. I separated this into two parts since Delbert gave me so much fun stuff. So here's part one of Delbert McClinton. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. I was born in Lubbock, Texas, 1940. And uh, I didn't know there was any place but Texas for a long time because I was there, you know. Uh, I think when I was about nine years old, I did go spend a, 
couple of weeks with a aunt and uncle in Portales, New Mexico. But until I was about, I don't know, 12 years old, it was pretty much just West Texas. That's it. <laughs> I can remember when I was a kid, there's an old place outside of Lubbock called a Cotton Club, which was outside of city limits so they could drink out there. And it was just one of those old places with the old dance hall, you know. And Bob Wills would play out there. And I can remember kids, all of us kids playing in the parking lot. And there's a cotton field where we'd have clod fights, you know. And every once in a while, run up and look in the windows and people dancing and all. But uh, I was a little kid, but it was great. I've always been a Bob Wills fan. I mean, when growing up in West Texas in the 40s, you, you're you going to know about Bob Wills. And and uh, it was great, you know, but... Uh, that was, uh, that was, I was very young. So, you know, a lot of that, I'm sure I've romanticized somewhat, but still, a club out in the middle of a cotton field, you know, and they, Bob Wills and the band. Other than that, there wasn't music around town. When did you move to Fort Worth? I moved to Fort Worth in 1951. Were you aware that there were so many people, I guess, later on, like Buddy Holly and Wayland? Oh, Absolutely. Or- did you ever cross paths with Buddy Holly? No, I didn't, but my older brother, when we were still living in Lubbock, went to high school with him. But, you know, uh, you got when you put all of it in context, it, it, they had yet to change the world, you know. It was just uh, growing up in West Texas, and there's, you can if you look hard enough, you can see the back of your head, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it was a good place. I, you know, it was great, and I still love it out there. I grew up there, and... And the memories of that desolate area. Well, it's not desolate. Some of it is. But uh, a lot of stucco homes back in that day, you know. And those were never very pretty, you know, because the dirt would from the rain would bounce up on them and make that ugly stain up about 18 inches all around the house. <laughs> I remember all of that from being a kid, you know, and playing out there. Very little yard, just kind of weed patch and dirt. I don't know, me and me and a couple of other guys, you know, there's always somebody that shows up with a guitar. And uh, I remember coming home from junior high school one day. We lived in a shotgun duplex. And uh, I walked in the front door and I heard somebody playing guitar and singing. And uh, I thought it was amazing. And I went and made my way through the house and, and you get from the living room through the dining room and then you come to the kitchen and then there's a little dining area with an archway and there's my older brother was there and he had this friend with him had a guitar his name was ray harden and he uh worked in the oil fields had his old hard hat on you know and he was sitting on the floor in that archway leaning against this side with his boots up on this side singing a hank williams song and he had a he had a little martin guitar with a hole in it right about here about that big and i remember asking him what happened he said he stepped on it when he was drunk he said, which is pretty much all the time. <laughs> but uh, that fascinated me to no end. And so uh, me and my other brother, my other brother also brought home a friend that played guitar. He's the one that I really learned from. Ray was the first one that, that really caught my attention. But the other guy showed me, showed us a few chords. Me and my brother, just, just older than me, we found an old uh K guitar, somebody else found it. We could buy it. We didn't have any money. And uh, 
was $3.50. And he and I raked it up somehow and got $3.50 and bought this old guitar. And the neck was so warped on it, you couldn't tune it. But we had a guitar. <laughs> and I'd play that thing till my fingers bled or try to play it. I've, I've tried to play guitar all my life, and I still don't really play guitar. I play pull and jerk guitar, but I can do enough to accompany myself in the songs I write. That's where it all started, you know. And uh, and then in 1951, we moved to Fort Worth. My dad got a job working for the Rock Island Railroad. He, he worked railroad earlier in his life, and he hurt his back in basic training during World War II, and he was in the hospital for a long time, never did. That ended his military career. So he had back pain, and he'd been driving. After he got out of the hospital, and it was back in Fort Worth, he drove a city bus for about eight years. And that was too much on his back. So he had most of his brothers worked for the railroad, my uncles, and uh, two of them were working the railroad of Fort Worth. And he decided he'd go there. We'd go there, you know, and he went there and went to work for Rock Island. Anyway, uh, this aunt and uncle I had in Florida came to visit us in, in Fort Worth. And uh, I went back to Florida with them for to spend a month and my that was my my mother's youngest sister billy ray billy ray dyer and she uh she was my biggest fan she thought that i just hung them up and so when we got to coco beach that's where they live coco beach florida uh, there was a uh the starlight motel which is where all the astronauts and everybody used to go hang out back before anybody knew anything about anything you know and they had a, uh, it was, they had a lounge in there that had talent night every Wednesday for a month. And on the last Wednesday, all everybody would come in and compete that the previous winners of the other three weeks would come in. And so I got in on that and won a hundred dollars. My aunt went, uh, well, before when I got there, she went to a music store and rented me a guitar, a Martin nice guitar. And I, I got on that talent show and I sang, uh, Going Steady by Tommy Sands. Me and my baby will go and steady. And, uh, and that's all right, Mama Elvis. So I won that, and when I came back to Fort Worth, I really started uh, trying to put a band together, you know. And uh, I remember the first night that Jerry Lee Lewis played the uh, Big D Jamboree in Dallas. Anyway, we went over and, and auditioned and got on the show. Back in those days, all you had to kind of do is show up because there weren't that many bands around, really. You know, there weren't that many bands around. So, so we went over there and we got to open the show for Jerry Lee and then stand right by the stage while he. So that was, that was also very encouraging. What year too. was this? This was about nineteen fifty-seven or eight. Oh. Fifty-seven, I think, probably. It was right after his his version of Crazy Arms came out, which was, I think, his first really big hit. But anyway, uh, that was amazing, and, and it was funny over there because it also it also uh, served as a, a place for wrestling matches. So the band was up in the ring playing because they had a permanent ring in there as well. You know. Was that the Sportatorium? 
by chance or uh, it was a sport tour was it yeah i um i don't know who the champions would have been at that time i'm guessing that's before fritz von eric's time this was uh, gorgeous george I love that era of wrestling. Oh God, I do too. It was great. <laughs> I, and, and I that's the first time I ever saw wrestling was was after I'd moved to Fort Worth. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I think there's a lot of parallels between that and uh being a musician where you know these guys would travel and not feel so great and then get up in front of people and have to entertain them. Well, yeah, but that's that's the easy part, getting up on the stage and entertainment. It's the getting there and all you have to go through to get there and the shitholes you have to stay in because uh, there's no money. And But you're hungry and, and you're young and, and, and you still think there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> I was very fortunate place in time in in the uh, late 50s early 60s uh mainly the early 60s we uh we played a club we were the house band at a at a, a club in in actually it was in mansfield texas which is just across the street out of fort worth and uh jack's place was famous because uh, jack had a jack paget was the owner's name he had a he had a uh, uh, he had a deal in with the Mansfield police, you know, because this place had been famous for underage people going, you know, and uh, the the sign outside the place was a neon jackass kicking, <laughs> and the 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 thing was, you know, you know, kids, everybody, it was common known, everybody went out there, but if you got out there and the mule wasn't kicking, it's going to be a raid that night. So you didn't go. Oh. And that went on until the place burned down with all of our stuff in it. But, uh, you know. Is this where you were backing up? Uh, this, yeah, well, that's where, that's where we worked with, uh, we worked with um, Joe Turner, Jimmy Reed, Howlin' Wolf, uh, Sonny Boy. Um, Lightning Hopkins? Uh, well, I, I, I worked with Lightning, but that was in Dallas, I mean, in Houston. We did some shows, used to do some shows with him. And, but, uh, and then we went on, we worked. I remember, uh, oh, what's his name? O.C. Smith. O.C. Smith had that song out, uh, That's Life. Sinatra ended up having a big hit with, oh, and Little Green Apples. He was a guy, that, great singer. We backed him up some back in in early 60s at another club we were the house band for. So we got I got to work with a lot of those a lot of those guys who were my heroes, you know. Yeah. Some of these people were famous for being really tough band leaders. Oh yeah, Howlin' Wolf was. Uh, I remember the first night we played with Howlin' Wolf. He came out there, when announced him, and he came out, grabbed a mic, and rushed out on the dance floor and just started singing. He didn't say shit or nothing to the band. And then everybody, you know, it didn't take long to find out where he was, and we knew his songs, but he just take off and then you got to find it where he's singing <laughs> and he'd turn around and glare at you you know and, uh, but he was the only one that that was ever a prick you know <laughs> sonny boy was great and and I, I learned an awful lot from him this is sonny boy number two but uh, we used to go up we used to work friday and saturday <clears throat> in fort worth at, at jack's place and then uh, <clears throat> drive up to oklahoma lawton oklahoma 
and played black clubs with with Jimmy Reed and, and uh, uh, Sonny Boy and, and uh, uh, that was that was wonderful. I mean, we we were so attuned to trying to learn what they were doing yeah. that uh, and just to be there with those guys it was just amazing, you know. And and back in that day, you know, it was a it's a whole different world as far as. Uh, Blacks weren't, you know, you had to go to a black hotel. That's, you know. But they always treated us great, man. You know, well, we were the band, and uh, and we were good. And and they, you know, liked working with us, you know. Can but, you describe what the inside of one of those clubs might be like, what the scene would be? Well, if you go down to Mississippi now, go back off some of those roads and them juke joints, that's what it looked like. Uh, lean to kind of some you know looked like you know sheet metal and and uh, something with a roof on it and a jukebox you know and a, a lot of people dancing oh yeah man well it was uh, I, I would have to say it couldn't have been much different than 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 the 40s you know because if you look at that time period the 30s and 40s and 50s some big changes, but nothing like it is from decade to decade now. You know what I'm saying? Time stood still back in those days, uh, and everything was a whole lot slower. Everything you did, everything you learned, everywhere you, thing you participated in, there was, uh, uh, because I was not a very well educated in school kind of person. So, uh, you know, you 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 live and learn, and and you you make it work or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you travel in the same car? Oh, we traveled in anything. We used to travel mainly in a in a station wagon, which was just murder. How many well, people? About six, six people in a station wagon plus equipment. <laughs> Uh, which was not much, but it still took up space, you know. But uh, August in Texas. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you don't ever get used to that heat. I don't care what anybody says. But when you don't know any different, it's not as bad, you know. Uh, because if it's just, you live with it every day. We never, I didn't have air conditioning until I moved to Fort Worth. And, and Lubbock, we never had air conditioning. We had mud, mud suckers, you know, those old... Uh, evaporative coolers that had the water dripping down through the straw on the sides. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. uh, and we, when we moved to Fort Worth, we still didn't have an air conditioner. We used one of those, and everything in the house was like a wet blanket. But it was a hell of a lot better than not having one. Jump on the bed, and it's like jumping on wet sheets. <laughs> you know? Still, it's better than not having one. We played a show once in Wink, Texas, which is where he's from, out by Kermit, Texas. Both those places in Texas, oil fields. It was very active back in the 40s and 50s. And in fact, Kermit wasn't even a town, I don't think, until then. It was a tent city first for oil people. But uh, but this was later. This was in the, about 62 or 3. We, some guy booked us, me and my band, a West Texas tour. And, and that included Odessa, Abilene, Wink, Carlsbad, New Mexico, and a couple other places. 
but wink, you blink and you miss wink, you know. <laughs> but uh, we were playing this club at Book Center, and it had a dirt floor. And it wasn't really, it was just a big, it was a room. I wouldn't call, call it a club or anything. We had to get electricity from the trailer house next door, run through a long wire for, to, to even play. And before we played an hour, somebody had already tore the door off the men's restroom. Completely tore it off. <laughs> and it was, you know, it's just wild, rowdy, crazy people. I mean, uh, it was, there was violence, but but it was different than today. There weren't as many people involved back then, so it was a lot easier sometimes to cool things down. Usually it's just a couple of guys in a fight rather than the whole room, you know, although that happened a lot too. But anyway, you know, it was uh, it's just what it was, you know. Did the band members carry guns or anything? No, we didn't because uh, playing mostly in Fort Worth, I knew all the gangsters in town. And they were all, um, you know, they all liked us as well. So I knew who was carrying. In fact, I remember one night at the Tropicana Club in Fort Worth, some guy had just got out of prison, and all of his friends and his brother, they were all, the guys on there, were having a big party for him that night, and everybody was fucked up. They were taking pills and drinking and smoking. and I mean, you know, as he used to call them, bank robbing pills. That's what them guys used to call them. <laughs> you know, speed, and they'd be over there just, you know, grinding and our wild stuff. And the vice squad came in. And, of course, somebody noticed it, got word around to all the guys. And on the bandstand, there was a, you know, a little shelf about this big that had lights. The lights didn't work, but they were there, you know. And uh, oh, and these guys, uh, they started dancing by the bandstand one by one and said, put this away. And they dropped their pistols, man. And I'd uh, move around and I'd kick them a little bit up there. And after a while, I had about six pistols tucked under the into the lights down there. <laughs> <laughs> Just another night, you know. <laughs> but uh, they were the crazy man. I, I remember this one guy. He, 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 I'm a thief, and I'm a damn good one. <laughs> That's what he said? Yeah. <laughs> and we'd get notice, you know, you know, to go by such and such an apartment. Uh, there's a new supply of clothes if you'd like to go buy your new sports coat or a suit or something, you know. These guys would move it all into these hotel rooms, and you had to buy invitation, go by and buy clothes and just about anything you were looking for. I, I mainly just bought some clothes. I didn't have any money, but, you know, we always tried to have something kind of flashy and yeah. and had to have a had to have a jacket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, we'd do that. And, and and just, you know, it was all crazy. You know, all those, all those, and, and every few months, somebody would get blown up around town in a, a car bombing. In the, in, the, in the 50s, late 40s and all through the 50s, Fort Worth was ran amok with, with wannabe killers i remember one uh, it was right after christmas might have been christmas eve i don't know but you know uh, we were playing this club and you know i was getting out of the park i'd park my car and i was getting out of going to club and this couple got out of the car and i knew him you know he was one of them outlaws had a, he had on this 
Silver shark skin suit. He said, hey, Delbert, look like look what my old lady got me for Christmas. Reached in, pulled out a nickel-plated forty-five automatic. Oh. <laughs> I said, man, Johnny, that's nice one. Nice gun, man. Yeah, man, she loved me. <laughs> you know, and it was just, you know, every night you, you, you pretty much knew who had guns. But there was this group of outlaws that I knew, these crazy fuckers. They get all peeled up, and one of the guys that ran with them was real short, but he had these eyes, man, that could just burn a hole in the wall. And they get all fucked up and come in a club. He'd go over and pick a fight with the biggest motherfucker in there, this little guy. And he's, he was a bad boy. He was little, but he was loud, you know. And then the, they, these other guys would jump in, and it'd be a, it'd be a knockdown, drag out. And you, if you get in the way, you're just in the way. Even if you're on the bandstand. I remember another night at the East Side Club was after hours club. We played uh, from one o'clock in the morning to five in the morning. And I was up there singing one night, man. Had my eyes closed, and I opened my eyes just in the time there was this guy running across the dance floor, and another guy chasing. Stage and drove and tackled him, took me out and the drums and the drummer all off the back of the stage, you know, or back into the wall, just screwed up everything. But you know, when you when you when you see a lot of that, you think it's the norm uh, until you get some kind of notice that it's not the norm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever play uh, Mother Blues? Oh, God, yes. Freddie King used to come in just about every night we played over at Mother Blues. And he'd come up and sit in. And, and Freddie was a friend. I mean, not an intimate friend, but we knew each other, you know, for every, for at least by that time, three, four years. And and Freddie liked to gamble. And, he, boy, he'd, he would get a glass of gin, not a drink, but a glass of gin, play and sweat. He, you'd think I learned to sweat from him because he sweat as good as anybody I ever saw. <laughs> and I can too. But, uh, a lot of, a lot of fun times in Dallas. But you know, I real, I didn't realize until about 25 years ago, 22 or three years ago, when after Wendy, my wife and I got together, I was still living in Fort Worth then. And, and uh, we went over there to play one night, and it was, and I realized the first time, and all, all my time was going back and forth, that I'd ever spent the night in Dallas, because we'd just get through, get the car and go back forward, just 32 miles. And, uh, I mean, for whatever that's worth, which is not much, but it was, a, you know, I'll be damned, I've never stayed in Dallas before. Been coming here forever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Delbert for inviting me into his living room here in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find out everything you need to know about Delbert at Delbert.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to OtisGibbs.com, and you can pick up a CD, a T-shirt. You can download any record I've ever made. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can buy one of Amy's children's books. You can buy one of my photographic prints. But anything that you buy... We'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. 
If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there, and you'll get a brand new episode free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.